We're going to carry on with today with the series that Pastor Andy started a couple of weeks ago when we saw the video, remember, about uh, for Vision Sunday, um, which is, and the theme is, for such a time as this. And I think last week, if you weren't here last week, I would highly recommend listen to the message. It's available on the website. It's available on the app. There's a link in the email. There's, it's, this stuff is accessible all the time, okay? But it was a brilliant, brilliant message that Chris preached on last Sunday about knowing the time, knowing the time that we are in. And he took us back to Matthew 24, and it's the account where the disciples are actually asking Jesus this question, and they said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Do you remember that? And, 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 and Jesus says, says these words in Matthew 24. He says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. My word, you just have to watch the news. Hey, just this week, apart from this week, but look at the fuel crisis, the economic crisis. The world is in chaos, absolute chaos. The war in Ukraine that, praise God, Nana managed to get away from on the 24th of February a year ago. There's strange objects in the sky in America and Alaska and Canada that are being shot down. This week alone, this massive earthquake in Turkey 28, Turkey and Syria, 28,000 dead, and they're expecting the number to double. So, you know, we are living in uncertain times. You know, there's, there's no such thing as a job for life anymore. Do you remember in the old days, you could, you could go to school, you could leave school, and you could join a company, and you could stay there your entire working career. I think, oh my word, how boring. <laughs> but anyway, but, but it was available. But that just doesn't happen anymore. There's no such thing as a job for life. There are, there's nothing stable. And you know, yesterday, going out um, on this outreach yesterday was a real eye-opener. It was absolutely fantastic. But you just had to speak to people. And it's on everybody's mind. Everybody is aware of the times that we are living in. And we need to recognize the season that we're in. But we're going to be like those sons of Issachar. Yes, we recognize the season. We, we look at the signs, but we're not just going to be focusing on this has gone wrong and this is going, this is happening. But we've got to know what are we going to do? Like the sons of Issachar, what, what, uh, what, are, they going to new, what are they going to do during that season? Not for only just for themselves, but for, for Israel, what Israel needed to do. And in the Bible, we see at times, we see some people that have been at a certain crossroads in their lives, and they've, but they've not discerned the times. And we see the outcome of those, um, when they've turned their backs on those God moments in their lives. And we think of the guy called Saul, King Saul, who lost his kingdom. Esau, who lost his blessing, it got stolen under his nose by his own brother Jacob. He had arrived too late. Somebody from the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, remember what happened to them? They missed out on a move of God by, by lying to the Holy Spirit. They dropped dead. Ananias and Sapphira. 
Chris touched on last week, the foolish virgins, those that weren't ready, they weren't prepared. And then the, bride, the bridegroom came and the door was shut and they were excluded. So we're not going to be part of that, okay? That's the bad news out of the way, okay? We're just going on to the good news now. But, and like Pastor Andy explained a couple of weeks ago, that the, the, there are two Greek words for, um, for time. One is chronos, where we get that word chronological, you know, anything to do with chronos and time. It talks about the actual moment, the, 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 the approach to time, so whether it's seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years. That's a chronos. And then there's this word kairos, this word kairos, which is a moment for opportunity. It's an opportune moment. It's a God-ordained moment. And I love what the Webster definition says. It's a time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial action. Like the sons of Issachar, who recognized the times that they were in, but they also knew what to do in those times, in that kairos. And that's what, this is what this is all about. It's a time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a certain action. We're not just going to sit on our rusty dusties and say, look at the signs. We're going to do something about it. It's a moment when something significant is happening. There is something significant happening. And it's a moment in which God has intended, he's intended it for a purpose. So last week, we looked at knowing the time. This week, we're going to look at an, the next step is about our position and our purpose. And we're going to be looking at a couple of examples of men and women in the Bible who have gone before us and who God positioned for his purpose, people that God has positioned. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. I think I, hear, I often hear this, you know, people say, there's a reason for everything. And I think, actually, no, I don't believe that there's a reason for sometimes bad stuff happens, you know. But to everything there is a season. There is a season, a time, a kairos for every purpose under heaven. Uh, another translation says there's an appointed time for everything. There's an appointed time. And we read in Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says that God changes the times and the seasons. He's the one who changes the times and seasons. And God is not random. He's not random. He's a God of purpose. A number of years ago, I don't know who, if anybody here has heard of a guy called Rick Warren. Yep, he wrote an amazing book called The Purpose Driven Life. And he wrote another book called The Purpose Driven Church. But God is purpose driven. God is a God of purpose, of intention. He is full of purpose. He's not random. He's not sort of, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. No, God is a God of intention and purpose. But every, but ev and every time he sets the times and seasons in place, he positions someone. He positions a people 
to be ready for them. And I'm going to make this statement. I would write this down. The God who makes moments positions people for them. The God who makes moments, kairos moments, he positions people for them. An example, Noah. He had that moment of flood, the moment of flood. Noah was approached by God to build an ark. It had never rained. It had never rained on the earth. But God approached Noah and said, build an ark. Because God had a had a date in his calendar. Now, I know he's outside of time. Okay, I know, I realize that. Okay, but just for, just for illustration purposes, God had a time, had a day in his calendar where he was going to flood the earth. And it took Noah something between 50 to 100 years. The historians and theologians aren't quite sure of the exact timing, but it, that's how long it took to build the ark. So, God sets the moment in, in, in motion. He says, to, he says he knows when he's going to flood the earth, but then he sort of steps back, and then he positions someone. He says, Noah, I want you to build me an ark, and it's going to take you between 50 and 100 years, so you better get busy. So God is a God of moments, and no moment has taken him by surprise. Noah had that moment, which took place 50 to 100 years later, the God who makes moments always positions people for them. And that's what he's doing here amongst us. So there's Noah on the moment of flood. We see Esther, a moment of salvation for such a time of, as this. Come on, where, where, oh, sorry, so take that down. Sorry, I was just pointing out to the graphic. <laughs> it's okay, Johnny's a bit ahead of me, but it's, it's fine. But we look, at, we look at, the, uh, at the book of Esther. I love book of Esther. You know, there's only two books in the Bible that are named about women. Only two, but hey, we've got, we got to mention. There's Esther and there's Ruth. And, um, and I love this. I just love this account. I keep going back to it. And it's one of those books where I've never really sp- spent that much time don't know what that is. Somebody knocking on the door. Or maybe the flag fell down. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll pick it up after. Thanks, Steph. But um, we're looking at the account of Esther. The, uh, okay. Thanks a lot. The account of Esther takes place in Persia, where there was still a large number of Jews in exile. So in Persia, this is a huge, big area. It's a big land. And, and there were a number of Jews that were still in exile, living in Persia, and Esther was one of them. And this, this account of Esther, there's something... This young girl had nothing going for her. I kind of can relate, although in some ways I'm not the same. But, you know, sometimes people can sort of be born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Other people, mm, not so much, you know. And this Esther, was she was an orphaned Jewish girl. She was an orphan from a young age. She was an orphaned Jewish girl living in a heathen country who hated the Jews. And she was a Jewish girl. And she was cared for. She was taken care of. Her, her older cousin, Mordecai, took care of her. And there's a whole host of things that happen throughout this book of Esther. 
And what happens is the, the, the king of Persia, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but what happens is he um, deposes of his queen, Queen Vashti, uh, because she didn't please him. She didn't sort of do what he wanted her to do. So he deposed of her, he got rid of her, said, right, you're no longer queen. So the king held a beauty contest and said, okay, I want to see all the, all the beautiful women in this land and I'm going to find a replacement for, for Vashti. And he selected Esther because Mordecai, her cousin, her older cousin, encouraged her. He was always the one that was mentoring her, encouraging her in God's ways. But in an instant, this young Jewish orphan girl went from those circumstances to becoming a queen of a superpower because that's what that area, what that region was. It was a superpower. The favor of God on Esther was just amazing. And throughout this book of Esther, we're not going to go into the detail because if we tried to, we'd be here for months because there's so much in this book. But there are events and situations that take place throughout the book of Esther and seemingly of no particular purpose. Some of these events can seem almost random. You know, it's like something happens and then next thing something else happens and you think, but how are these things connected? And they, when, when you view them in isolation, it's like they, they, they serve no purpose. But I love the fact God is not random. You know what, even when you think back on your own life, when you think, this happened in my life, and this has happened in my life, and this has happened in my life, and it's like God just somehow joins the dots, you know, and you think, what was the purpose of me going through that in my life? But God can take anything in our life. You know, he can take our hurts into account. He can turn anything that the enemy intended for evil. He can turn for good. But throughout this book of um, Esther, we see constant drunken parties. There was a party that was six months long. 180 days. That's six months, eh? It is, eh? My maths is okay. Six months long of drunken parties. There was a plot to kill the king. There was jealousy. There was pride. This guy, um, Haman, which was um, the king's right-hand man, I mean, he was just... He was just Awful, absolutely awful. And he lied to the king about all the Jews, and as a result, the king decreed that all the Jews are going to be, are going to be wiped out on a certain day. And that would have included Esther. But Esther was his queen. He didn't know she was Jewish. But Mordecai, her, her cousin, encouraged her to go stand before the king and, and, um, and, and plead for the freedom of the Jews. And that's when this well-known scripture from Esther 4.14, he says, uh, Mordecai says to Esther, yet who knows, God knows, <laughs> yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Up until that point, Esther thought she was just the queen, but suddenly she has to lay aside her fear because if you just went and sort of announced yourself in front of the king, he had, you, you stood the risk of being killed. He had the right to kill you, to have you killed there and then if you entered his, his presence without being invited. But, um, <clears throat> but Esther had to recognize the season 
she recognized the season, the, the time and the season, that Kairos moment, and she stepped into what was required. God had prepared everything in advance for this woman, but Esther had to step into it. It's like that Kairos moment where we are situated in right now. There are things that are happening, but we need to step into it. And Esther had to face her fears, even risk her life, and um, go before the king, do what was necessary. And that is what, uh, that's exactly what she did. And, you know, when you think about it, when Esther entered that beauty contest that Mordecai encouraged her to enter, she had no idea what the final outcome would be. She thought she was just entering a beauty contest to hopefully one day become queen. But she had no idea that she was actually about to deliver a nation of Jews. God had prepared her path for her. As, as, as Mordecai um, mentored her, he, w- he was like a father figure. He was much older than her, and he was like a father figure to her. But he would mentor her and direct her into taking the right paths. Something to be said about having a mentor. Hey, it's so good. We've got the Holy Spirit. We have the Comforter. We have the Parakletos. Let him also lead us and guide us and direct us. But all Esther had to do was walk into, on, onto that right path. And she walked into the very favor of the king and God's prepared plan. And as a result, she, she landed up saving all the Jews that were in Persia. An interesting thing about the book of Esther is that God is not mentioned once in the whole book of Esther, but his fingerprints are all over it. His fingerprints are everywhere. Throughout the book of Esther, God is working behind the scenes constantly. You know, and at times I think we can go through a season when it seems like God has left you, when it seems like things are happening so randomly. But you know what you can know? He has not left you. His word says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His fingerprints are all over your life. You know, even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, like how can, how can anything good come out of this? Watch what God does in your life. You know, maybe you've done what you thought you wanted, what you thought He wanted you to do. You might even have moved to where you felt He wanted you to be. We've experienced this multiple times, but it can seem like nothing's happening. But nothing's happening. And I loved what Chris shared last week. You know about perseverance that we need to persevere. Sometimes God moves us. But then we just need to persevere. Just stay, just stay faithful to the call. Just stay committed. Stay on that path. Don't move. Don't move from the right or from the left. Just stay committed to the path. Look at Noah. Waited 50 to 100 years, working away, building that ark. But he didn't give up. He persevered. You know what? We can have confidence in God, knowing that he's prepared the way for us and the path he has for for us, and that we can trust him and step into it. And like Esther, take our place. Like Esther, take our place, step into the path, and do what's needed in the season. He's done it all. He's lined it all up. 
He's prepared the way. But it's up to you now, up to you and to me now to do what God wants us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are good works that God has prepared beforehand. We're not saved by good works, but there are good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Because the God who makes moments, the God who makes those kairos moments, positions people for them. He created that kairos, that moment, that time for Esther and for the entire Jewish nation. But he had positioned Esther in place beforehand for such a time as this. So we're looking at position and purpose. So we've looked at Noah, we've looked at Esther. And I want to touch on something very a bit unusual. And you know, you remember the account when Moses was leading the children out of Egypt and they'd gone through the Red Sea and then they entered this thing called the wilderness of Shur. The wilderness of Shur. And they went into this wilderness and the Bible says that for three days they were wandering around in this wilderness. There was no water. There was no water. And I think it's a pretty hot place. You know, you're talking Egypt, desert, wilderness. It's hot, it's dry, it's thirsty. But they came to a place called Mara. And with, they found some water. And, but the water, <coughs> sorry, but the water was bitter. And they couldn't drink it. And so Moses cried out to the Lord and said, you know, we've been, we've been marching for three days. But we can't, there's no water available. And so God said, pointed it out, there's a tree. Pick up the tree, throw the tree, I'm not sure if it was the whole tree or just a branch of the tree, but throw it into the, wa- into the water. And he did that, and the bitter waters became sweet, and they were able to drink that water. And Chris said this not so long ago, he said, when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, in this particular instance, the best time to have planted that tree would have been at least seven years before. And if you're wanting a tree that produces beautiful fruit, it's no good planting it now. You should have planted it anything between five and 15 years ago. You know, otherwise just go to the shops and buy what you want. But that's how long it takes. But God had that tree planted in the right place, knowing that the children of Israel are coming through into this desert, however many years before, to make those bitter waters sweet. God positioned that tree And if God can position a tree to save the children of Israel, how much more can he position his people today who have the Holy Spirit living on the inside, leading us, guiding us, directing us? You know, anything could have happened to that tree in the process of time. It uh, It could have been struck by lightning. It could have been eaten by insects. It could have decayed, all kinds of things, but it didn't. The tree stood there. I think God put in a big fat angel around it. Well, not a fat one, but a big angel around it and protected that tree because there was a purpose for that tree. There was a purpose for the tree. So if God can position a tree to bring about his purposes, how much more he can position you and I. But throughout these examples, we see God has gone ahead. God has gone ahead even when it seems at times that he was absent. 
But you know what? The gr- we sang that song about the goodness of God. In all my days, you've been faithful. But the goodness of God was manifested in the time that it was needed. That's when it was manifested. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, says that God has determined our pre-appointed times and the boundaries of our dwellings. You're not here by accident. You're not here by mistake. God has determined, he's determined our pre-appointed times, kairos, and the boundaries of our dwellings. The fact that you're here today is not a coincidence. We're not here by accident, but God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us, individually and collectively. So what is our purpose? What on earth are we here for? (laughs) It's a good question. What on earth are we here for? I'm glad you asked. Number one, kingdom representatives. We are here to represent the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is countercultural to the one that people know. The kingdom of God is different to the kingdoms of this world. And our purpose is to make the kingdom of God known and to bring people into it. We are in this world, but we're not of it. It's so important. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in heaven, but we represent God as his ambassadors in this earth. That's what we're here for. What's our purpose is to know God and to make him known. To know God and make him known. Not to make him famous. He's already famous. It's to make him known. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, that I may know him. Become intimately acquainted, thoroughly acquainted with him. It's it's not just about the name of Jesus. It's about knowing him and making him known. You know, we were out on the, on the streets yesterday uh, witnessing. It was an amazing time. It was absolutely, it was the best thing this church has done. I tell you what, forget breakfasts and ladies' breakfasts and men's. We'll organize some more. But what happened yesterday was of such significance. It was so important. It was the, it was the best time spent. But it's about making Jesus known. That's what it's about. And you just start talking to people. You start engaging with people. Oh, it's sad. Really. When, uh, it's, just, oh, it's just such an eye-opener. So how, do, how can we make God known? How can we make the kingdom of heaven known on this earth? And I think it's through, through loving and serving our church and community. By, by, by revealing the goodness and the kindness of God. This is, how, this is how. Some people were embarrassed to receive a flower yesterday or to receive a Yorkie bar. They didn't want to. They're not used to having things handed to them for free. And, um, but, but we need to display the love and the kindness and the mercy of God. And how do we do that? By meeting physical practical and spiritual needs in the community. This is how we do it. And 
Yesterday's Valentine's Day outreach was the first of many where we shared the love of God on the streets of Waterlooville. But we've got lots more planned for this year. Next Friday, pop-up play. We're going to have at least 60 adults in here next Friday morning for two hours. The doors will be locked. They'll be stuck inside. Opportunity. Get around the people. You know, come on. We've got to make the most. Make the most of the op- an opportune moment. This is what it's about. It's about getting them in. Movie nights. What on earth are we doing movie nights for? We, we're showing, we're revealing people a box of popcorn, a hot dog, and some cool drink or a tea and coffee and a movie. It's no big shakes, but the people love it. And we're meeting a social need, a social need that's needed in this community for families. They don't have money to go take all their kids to a movie. So we're making this place available for, a, for, a, for, a mo- for movie nights to meet just a soulish, a social thing. But in the midst of it, we are sowing seed. You know, in 10 years' time, we were talking about this last night, in 10 years' time, some of these kids that come to, to, the, to the movie nights are going to remember. I remember 10 years ago going to a movie night run by that church. I remember they always had black T-shirts on, and they were very kind. I remember them. You know what? Think back to your own childhood, stuff that you remember, things that were good, that, that where you know that God's hand was at work, even though you didn't know him at the time, but you recognize, looking back, that's what's going to happen. There are seeds that are being sown into this community. Yesterday, there were multiple seeds sown. There were seeds sown, and we're just believing, God, one sows, another waters, but God, you give the increase. Pancake lunch. Bring 37 of your closest friends. Bring people to a pancake lunch. It's going to be a one-hour service, short. One-hour service. It's going to be very relaxed, okay? But after the service, we're going to have pancakes. We're going to have sweet and savory. I don't know who's doing what yet, but... Um, but Hey, we're going to have filling and we'll we'll do whatever it takes. But we're going to give people food. Games night. We're going to have a games night. We're going to have a barbecue right in the front of this community center one Friday night in June. July, July. We're going to, instead of a movie night, we're going to have a games night. We're going to have a barbecue. It's going to be visible. We're going to be out there. We're inviting people in. The nice thing about a games night, again, they're around a table. They have to talk. <laughs> you've got them. You've got them. Just, you don't have to Bible bash, but just befriend them. Just hear where people are at. Hear about what their needs are. Harvest Sunday, we're meeting physical needs. This last week, meeting in the schools, trying to, trying to increase our influence in schools in the area. How can, we, how can we partner with the schools so that we have an, a voice in the children's lives? That's, it's so important. It's so important. And we're not just putting on social events for social events' sake. Man, I've got a life. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you all do too. But we, what we're trying to do is prepare the hearts of the people to encounter God. There is such a wall. There is such a divide between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. I, it's just so, to me, it was such an eye-opener yesterday. 
where people, but, and that's what we're doing. We're going there, we're breaking up the fallow ground. We're breaking up, we're sowing seed. People took scriptures away um, on little cards. They gave, the, you know, scriptures about the love of God. Love is patient, love is kind. God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave, that he gave. These are scriptures, and people have got those scriptures in their homes today. And we're believing that someone's going to read them and it's going to drop in their heart. And someone else is going to come along and water that seed. And that person is going to receive Christ. And that person will be translated from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Because I tell you what, hell is a real place and eternity is a long time. And there's, uh, there's no exceptions. It's not, I was a good person, I did good things. No, the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we want to see the kingdom of God manifest in Waterlooville. We're going to be like David who sees the purposes of God. We're going to serve the purposes of God in our generation. This is where we are now. And you know what? It doesn't matter about the size or the magnitude of whatever it is that God asks of you and me. It doesn't matter about the size and the magnitude, but, he wants, but what he wants to do is he wants to use us. You know, maybe, maybe God wants to use you to witness to the next Billy Graham. Maybe God wants to use you to just witness to Billy Graham, and then the whole town gets saved, the whole village gets saved, a whole household gets saved, a whole nation gets saved. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. So, but it's your obedience to do what God has called you to do, is which is of more value, of greater significance than the size or the magnitude of what he's asking us to do. It's our obedience to the small things. It's our obedience to putting out banners. It's our obedience to making tea, to serving, to serving in kids' church. It's our obedience to obey is better than sacrifice. But let's make sure we're in the right place. Let's make sure that we are positioned correctly and then to know our purpose. You know what? We see Family Church Waterlooville as a, as a tapestry. You know, when you look at a tapestry, it's a beautiful picture on, on the front. But at the back, it's made of these individual threads. It's just a whole lot of individual threads. And those individual threads are our individual lives. That's what it is. And it's God at work in each one of our lives. He knows us intimately. He knows every hurt. He knows every pain. He knows every situation that you are facing in your life. He knows your past, your present, and your future. He knows everything about you and I. He knows what you've been through. He takes your pain into consideration. Oh, God is so good. But he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. There's a plan and a purpose for every one of us. He never wastes a hurt. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you've been through something that was horrendous, that was so hurtful. You think, I'll never get over this. Guess what? God never wastes a hurt. What the enemy is intended for evil, he will turn for good in Jesus' name. He, in Jesus' name. But the, so the tapestry is made up of these individual threads. But it's also made up 
of these individual threads creating this beautiful picture, and that's a picture of the church, collectively, a collection of those individual threads. Mixed backgrounds, I love it, mixed backgrounds, mixed cultures. Before anyone moved to Waterlooville, who'd ever heard of it? No, I'd never heard of this place, and I know, <laughs> I could say, mm -mm, never heard of Waterlooville. I mean, but this is where we are. We're living in Waterlooville, Hampshire, England. You know, Twenty-something years ago when we left South Africa, I'd heard of England, I'd heard of Hampshire, but Waterlooville, never, never in my life heard of it. And when I, think, when I think of the people that make up these threads in this church, all the different places that if people are coming, that if people have come from, and just, I try to list some of the countries, and it's Romania, and Poland, America, South Africa, Zimbabwe, uh, Romania, Zambia, Ghana, South Africa, England. <laughs> Sorry, what's that? Jamaica. Jamaica, Jamaica, yes. Who else? Have I left anyone out? Ukraine. Uh, anyway, you know what I'm saying. But God's got us all together, this little melting pot, this melting pot of different backgrounds, different cultures, different nationalities for this season, for this time, this kairos time. We're not here by accident. God's not random. He's not random. He's purposeful. And at times he might seem absent, but his fingerprint is all over your life. His fingerprints are all over your life. Oh, I love this. Waterlooville. God is working behind the scenes. When you see the, the account of Esther, God had been working behind the scenes. And the people living in that region were oblivious to it at the time. But then as a result of her obedience, of her, a result of her stepping out in faith to, to go, and go and request that the king would um, stop this decree, the whole nation was saved, including herself. And it's the same way. God is working behind the scenes in this town, in Waterlooville, it, uh, th that people are oblivious to. They are totally oblivious. People are walking around with blinkers on. It's, it's just so amazing. But so what is our purpose? Our purpose is to know God, to make him known, to meet physical, practical, and spiritual needs, to represent the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and also to be used by God to bring healing and recovery to broken people. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. These words were the words that Jesus quoted from Isaiah. He quoted them in Luke chapter 4. And you know what? Those words are for us today, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, family church, to preach the gospel. He's anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted. We were in the high street yesterday. Two people were prayed for in the high street yesterday. Come on. We want to see, we want to see people's lives touched and changed.
The Spirit of the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus for a purpose, but the same for us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us now. God has us, has us here for such a time as this. You know what? We're believing that this, we know the season, we know the times, and we've positioned ourselves. That God has positioned us on purpose to reach this place, to reach these people. We're going to be like Noah. We're going to build that ark. We're going to be like Esther. We're going to lay aside our fears. I'll be honest with you. I was outside of my comfort zone yesterday, completely outside. Uh, I don't do it well. You know, some people are really excellent at just approaching people in the street. Um, I was outside my comfort zone, but I did it. And guess what? I'm living to tell the tale. I'm here today. I'm all right. You know, I live to tell the tale. But it's time for us to step in and step up to what God wants us to do. It's time to know our purposes, roll up our sleeves, and get busy with the work of the Lord. The days are few. It's about taking responsibility. You know, something might not be my problem, but it is my responsibility. We can make it our responsibility. We can take responsibility for people's lives, for what's going on in this place. What is God doing in this time, this Kairos moment? Let's get into position for it with hearts desiring to be used. Amen.